0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research, conducting interviews, and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so it is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires generation z to pursue marriage become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen serve with furious intentionality love well and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another to access my sources subscribe to the show or get your copy of my latest book visit anchor.fm seth hensley or check out the show notes of each episode Alright guys, welcome to episode 145 of the Restoring Rapport podcast. We're super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today. As always, this is a podcast about keeping marriage and family as central goals for young believers and prioritizing relationship in a world of many distractions. And today, we have got the second half of my interview on Jeremy Pryor's podcast coming at you guys. This is the conclusion of last week's episode. So if you have not listened to that, go back and listen to the last episode, episode 145, for the first half of this interview and today is going to be the second half so without further ado let's go ahead and pick up right where we left off
1: yeah that makes sense and that, i i agree that's that's a challenging reality john what does this turn up for you what are what are your thoughts on that well i you
2: know i have um uh i mean i i guess i sort of feel like as a matter of fact and also as a matter of philosophy i'm a gentile um and i i love reading the old testament and i love reading about god's dealings with his people but uh, I can't honestly represent myself as being, a, a, as a, a, a quote unquote, first century person. Like I, I, I don't, I'm not steeped in the law. I don't, uh, you know, the, the, the Jerusalem council was actually a uh, I look at that and I go like, okay, here's, here's where I come in. What do I have to do? You know, well, don't <laughs> strangle animals. Okay. Check, you know, <laughs> don't, uh, don't sleep with your mother so far. So good, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a couple others and, you know, uh, uh, so I, um, and, and that's, and I, I feel like it's hard to be anything other than what I am, which is a person who is kind of entering the God's story at that point in time. Um, that doesn't mean, however, that, uh, I think you actually made a useful distinction, which is between first century Christianity and fourth century. Um, and and I think getting back to Ryan's point, that's that's kind of a historical way of saying the same thing he was saying, which is that um people have religious hearts divorced from God. I mean if, in other words, if you think of religion as being in its a in its etymology of people trying to relink themselves to God, Um, You know, we we have to get ourselves back to the garden, like Joni Mitchell said, uh, which is completely impossible. Um, The Jews were trying to get themselves back to the garden in one way, and the Gentiles were trying to get themselves back to a garden in a different way. And it's all kind of, you know, the the same leaven is kind of is uh, leavening two very different loaves of bread. But it's still crap and it still needs to be reformed. So in saying that I'm not a Jew is not to say that therefore I am a fourth century Gentile. And I really think that um, the, the Western civilization and everything that came after the, uh, you know, the Holy Roman Empire and the church and all that sort of stuff, you know, um, I think that's just a Western version of the um, hmm. perversion that, that Phariseeism was. Um, and I think just as an aside, I actually think that this was a real point of the author, uh he made a bunch of points that I didn't, didn't agree with, but I think what he was trying to say was, you know, uh, the, the core of what he was trying to say was Jesus didn't start something that looks like American Christianity today. It doesn't have a lot of the accoutrements and everything like that and the rules, like Ryan said, and, um, and this is a, a common critique, you know, it was like how Jesus didn't die for what looked, you know, the little Baptist church on the corner. And I think that's fair. He didn't die for a cathedral and a stone building and rules and, mm. you know, a, a, a different set of laws. And and that's that was the sort of the opening critique. And I think he made a lot of other points. But fundamentally, what he wants to do is sort of strip away um, some of the uh, things that crept into the church that were certainly evident by the fourth century. And I, I'm, you know, at least somewhat sympathetic to that. Uh, you know, just the way Jesus was. You know, yeah. Yes, a lot of these yeah. things. You you strain out, you tie mint and dill and cummin, and you forget the important <laughs> points.
1: Well, so it sounds like if I were to, what I hear you saying is, you identify as a first century Gentile, <laughs> like like the first century. There was the, you can be a first century Jew, a first century Gentile in terms of like the foundation from which you derive your core beliefs and values. Paul was articulating what what a first century Gentile would have to like you don't have to become a Jew you don't have to become a first century Jew now there's a fourth century gentile which is somebody who might have almost as their foundation um like their root structure might be actually deeply embedded within sort of roman pagan religion and then they're trying to find a way to uh to sort of combine that or syncretize that in some way with with the christian faith so maybe not identifying with that root structure. And I think that what I've really wrestled with, because I, I really like kind of that idea that you're describing, John, is that like in the first if you did exist in the first century, you know, Paul was trying to make a very strong case and the Jerusalem Council um was, was trying to advocate for the idea that a Gentile does not have to become ethnically Jewish, does not have to, um, does not have to somehow re-enter back and, and sort of do away with their their own identity um, in order for them to, to come to faith. Um, I think the thing that I'm, I wrestle a lot with is, you know, between Genesis one through three and then skipping all the way to Jesus, um, you know, in terms of the story arc of, of what, what I think often Gentile Christianity looks like, what was that what Paul was advocating for? How much time should a first century Gentile spend marinating in the Torah? Like, you know, when, when, when Paul says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching and correcting and training in righteousness, he seem to be talking about the Hebrew scriptures centered on the Torah. And so I, I wonder, um, whether or not for to come into faith, he's saying for sure, you don't, you're not giving up your, your Gentile heritage, your own ethnic identity, but look this, you're joining a movement of God that's been going on for thousands of years and you have a lot of catching up to do. Um, and by the way, all of this Torahic stuff is all about Jesus, right? The Passover Lamb is about Jesus, you know. the the um, The first fruits is about Jesus. That, like, as you're going through the Torah, you're 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 definitely learning and interpreting the Psalms and the prophets and the Torah through the lens of Jesus. But I think that part of what has occurred. Well, by the way, I think I think that that, that reality then makes Jewish people more uh, very um, useful as teachers to gen, first century Gentile Christians, because and that's I think what was happening in a lot of cases. You know, people were becoming elders after being believers for a pretty short period of time because they were already likely Jewish. You know, fathers who were practicing, you know, the their Torahic faith, and when they brought the messianic um, sort of uh, adherence to that and their allegiance to Jesus, and started to reinterpret that, it wasn't like they were starting from scratch, right? They were they were things like light bulbs were going on, but like all of the sort of the root structure that was that was in their in their mind, in their hearts, was all still you know, very relevant to their faith in Jesus. So I, I, that, that's the line that I'm trying to play around with as you're describing this, John, is like, what, how much should a first century Gentile discipleship look like basically like getting a um, a major lesson in the full, the fullness of the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures? Any thoughts about like how far, because, you know, those three things that James was advocating for in, in Acts 15 that you mentioned, um, was that, was that to sort of limit the amount of that or was that just a sort of in to me he was mostly attempting to try to figure out if if the if the gentiles and jewish and Jews are going to come together and Jews are going to continue to to keep all the torah kosher especially the dietary laws um you know what what are we going to require the gentiles to do in deference to their jewish brothers and that that seems like that maybe the, the the part of the decision he's making but but I still don't think I think that leaves open the question how much should we immerse Gentile Christians into the Hebrew scriptures as their root structure for belief? At that point, then it becomes very much, it starts to feel like one faith as opposed to now a separate one. Any any thoughts of, any any you guys can chime in?
2: Well, I I I would jump in, but I actually want to give uh, everybody a chance to talk. So so I'm gonna put in a placeholder and say, I'd love to answer that question, but I don't want
3: to dominate the conversation.
1: Cool yes yeah, so i think is that stirring anything up for you anything that you would like uh, to yeah. chime in on that point
3: yeah sure sure um i think you are correct me if i'm wrong jeremy but you're trying to say it bothers you to say and to think that jesus was coming to create what is modern christianity today and instead he was actually bar he was actually building from a pre-existing chosen people is that right. what you're saying and that we should even believers today should be very aware of the culture that Christianity was built from. And I totally agree with that. I think that's brilliant. Um, Especially because like you said, if not, the alternative is missing out on thousands of years of rich culture and not only rich culture, but culture that Jesus came from. And he chose to come from that religion, right? I mean, he could have uh, taught from, he could have been born anywhere and taught from anywhere, but I think he chose to come into that, into Israel. Right. Right. And I think that that says something about um just history even from a historical perspective i think there's value in um educatable as well i know you you practice the feasts regularly and you have uh you, you guys do jewish feasts as a family together i think that's brilliant there's just a lot of rich culture there um where i think the original article by michael camp uh appeals to me uh is because he was arguing that like, like Jeremy said, modern day Christianity, how we do it today, modern liturgical practice is not what the early church was. That's what I am super passionate about and agree with through, you know, the work of Frank Viola, George bon Barna. He wrote a book called Pagan Christianity. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that and have read that. That really opened my eyes in the sense of how much our modern day Christianity, our modern worship practice has been influenced by pagan Roman cultures, other cultures in the world. Um, and it's just something to be aware of. I don't think what we practice today is what Jesus established. I think Jesus was building off of that Jewish foundation. And yes, he was saying new things. There is a there is a distinction between Jew, um, Judaism and Christianity uh, that I would never want to get rid of. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but I do believe Jews believe that Jesus is not the Messiah, that he was a, a prophet, a good teacher, that kind of thing. Is that right?
1: Yeah, he's not the yeah, modern yeah. day Orthodox Judaism definitely doesn't hold to his. Messianic claims. Yeah. So
3: I think there's a distinction, but I do believe that there is something to be said for the fact that Jesus came to the Jews yeah, Yeah. and that Jesus built from Jewish culture and taught from Jewish culture and yes, corrected Jewish culture, but also taught from it.
1: Yeah. And I'm wondering Ryan, how this hits you in terms of the whole idea that let's say, I mean, to me, given your original comments about like the, the definition of religion being a culture, uh, it feels like, and, and it also, also sort of a reflection of just the reality that, that as Christians, I, it seems like we should believe there only ever has been one religion. Like there's only one true culture. There's only one faith. There's only one God. There's only one truth. There's not like multiple truths. And so you basically have one truth and lots of false ideas, false religions. And this is part of where this is a little bit tricky today to to parse out. And that like we believe Jews definitely follow the one true God. But they their refusal to acknowledge the messianic claims of Jesus and be impacted by his teachings and then how they've been interpreted by Paul and James and Peter and others. This is this has caused them to sort of be um, sort of stuck in the past. But it that but not to say that what their they they believed originally was um you know was was not true and wasn't rooted in that in that one truth. Um, um and now of course you have the reinterpretation of of Judaism based on the fact that, you know, the temple was destroyed. And so a lot has happened and to, to change the nature of Judaism over the last 2000 years since Jesus, but especially getting back to the first century Jewish um, followers of God, of Yahweh, they were, they were following the one true faith. And so I think given that there's just so much continuity there that has been lost somehow. And I think that's a lot of what I'm spinning around trying to figure out, you know, if we didn't have the, enormous amount of anti-Semitism that happened in the fourth century, um, what would the faith look like today? There's a lot of sort of unpacking to do. Hi guys, this is just a quick reminder that you can use
0: the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question.
4: Yeah, I think, so just on that, when we talk about the word religion, I mean, to your point, there's been different definitions and everything of it, but also the idea of like one true culture or however you want to you know, yeah. say that. Um, I I would agree, but and I don't mean this in an offensive way, I don't think that equates to Judaism. Um, because Judaism isn't on page one of Scripture, right? That doesn't happen till later. And there are plenty of people pre-Judaism in Scripture who are known as as people of faith, right? And people outside of the Jewish system like Melchizedek right is is one that is called that way and so there exists this minority outside of the jewish family in scripture that seem to be in the family of god um now that doesn't take away from the fact that god obviously has a special place for israel and for the the jewish line um but i don't think there is like this one monoculture because in the end of scripture and revelation we see the culmination of all things and it says gathered around the throne where people from every tribe, tongue, language and culture, right? Like there's, so there's diversity that is God designed and God ordained, uh, but they all are connected back to some, you know, original truth, original mm-hmm. creation. Um, and I think that you can find that truth through a lot of different cultures. Okay. If that well, makes it, sense. Yeah,
1: that does. Yeah. That's really interesting. And it, it does, it kind of reminds me to what John, the point you were making. And like, I, I think that, mm, there's there seems to be what you just said, Ryan, and I want to, John. Your thoughts on this? You can go too far in a way that annihilates your own ethnic cultural um, values. So if if you believe, let's say, that religion is a total culture, then we all should be Jewish uh, at some level, and we all and, and basically that should annihilate the sort of ethnic distinctions that different cultures do value. You know these sort of peripheral values differently that and, and rank them differently. And it, it gives rise to, to, to sort of this beautiful multicultural thing that you see in the book of revelation that Ryan, you're referring to where every tribe and tongue and nation. And so, and so, yeah, John, how, where would you draw that line? Is there somewhere you're sensing like, okay, there's a point at which, you know, this, this line of thinking kind of goes too far and starts to um, eliminate and diminish the, 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 you know, the multiculturalism that is that God has initiated from basically, I guess, Genesis 11.
2: Well, I don't I mean, I would I that's actually wouldn't be my concern. My concern would be it's not like, you know, I'm Scottish and I insist on the right to be Scottish, you know, I'm cheap, <laughs> you know, or something <laughs> like that. You know, I, I will wear skirts. Um, you know, and they will have wool and cotton in them. They will
1: know, be everybody. there in heaven, yes. Backpipes in heaven.
2: Backpipes, exactly. <laughs> Back pipes, exactly. <laughs> you know, I know, um, but um, so i wouldn't i wouldn't say that you know i have a right to my you know you're not your own you were bought with a price i've been crucified with christ you know so so claiming to be scottish or something like that it seems like stupid it seem the the but the flip side of that is claiming to be jewish also seems to be stupid because i i don't want to feel like i'm living my whole life as a fake like how can i possibly be as jewish as a jewish person no i'm never going to do that and if that was the objective then i'm going to fail And I don't feel like Jesus called me to that either. He didn't call me to be, claim my rights as a Scotsman. but he didn't call me to imitate a Jew, you know? And so um, I don't want to, uh, the way I think of it, and then I wrote to you this when you asked about the podcast was, uh, if you, you know, Paul says that we're, compares us to a a new branch that's been grafted onto an old root, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then the question becomes, is that a new tree? Well, it depends what you mean by new. What you mean by tree? You know. So the way I would think of it as as one who was clearly grafted on is um, I'm supposed to bear the fruit that I was designed to bear at the tips, but every juice that I have, everything flowing through my veins, came from the root, not from me. And so uh, it would be foolish to pretend that I have any link to life other than through the root. So I had better understand what the root is doing through me, even though. I'm bearing a different fruit than that, than the original branch would have born. Um, And that's just, you know, so I'm a mixture. What, what is that?
1: Mixture. What is that root? What What are you saying there? about what, well, what?
2: I, I mean, so this is, well, that's actually, so where I would go with this is to say, um, I think I'm supposed to be alive. I'll answer that question. I think fundamentally I'm supposed to uh, manifest life. You know, I ordained that you would bear much fruit, fruit that would last. So that means that, whatever comes out of me has to be life and the the problem with trying to understand this and i think about this all the time is for me how does how does that sanctification process the process of actually getting fruit to come out how does that work and in particular what is the relationship of the law to that sanctification process mm-hmm. so i think one of your questions is what you know when we say judaism an awful lot of what we're talking about is really the the prescripts of the law um, and, and I don't think, and I think the law is a beautiful thing, but the law, you know, is perfect, but it makes nothing perfect. It can't sanctify me. Mm-hmm. So I can understand the law. But as soon as I start to try to obey the law or keep the law, I'm going to fail. So what I'm trying to do is allow this, you know, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. That by itself was a radical statement for a Jew to say about the law. People didn't really, I don't think we really thought of it that way. They thought of it as rules. Jesus mm-hmm. said, "No, it's my it's life." So, yeah. as a branch grafted on, I'm trying to let the the um, juices from the root flow through me, and that means being informed by the law and learning about who God is by the law. But recognizing that um, unless I see this as a form of life flowing through me, I will never bear fruit. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me how to do that, I, you know, I, I'm trying to teach my kids uh, this. It's life. It's not about rules. It's about life. Learn what God did. Learn why he promulgated those rules, but don't try to follow them. You know, yes. all of they say, do and observe, it. do not be like them, you yeah. know? And, and that's, that's really, for me, struggling as a Gentile grafted onto the Jewish branches. How do I let that life flow through me and not become a legalist?
1: Right. So the root is you're saying it is the, the the sort of the hebrew scripture uh because even what you were saying ryan about like there there were there were believers there were god followers like melchizedek before abraham you know and isaac we're still reading a hebrew um story that started before abraham but it's being told and that nourishment and then this is part of the the challenge or the thing that I'm trying to wrestle with what you're saying, John, because I think on one hand you have, you know, you can say that, that that's the Hebrew scriptures. That's the whole life of, you know, of the the history of, of Israel that, that seems like Paul is really, is really sort of describing the root. And then Jesus, of course, but he says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. The way is, t- sounds like a, a, you know, almost a reference to the Torah, which is another way of saying the the Torah is the way, the teaching, the the law, the law is a little bit of a constricted way of describing it, but it's it's certainly more than just a law. Um, and I think that, I think that that's maybe where a lot of the tension is, is when people emphasize more like, okay, the root is Jesus. Uh, Jesus is what we Christians have thought he was from the fourth century on. And then all of this, you know, sort of uh, the, the root structure that, you know, it seems like Paul's arguing for Romans 11 kind of falls out of the story somehow. And now, we are building a new tree, you know. And Jews, you should join us, you know, um, like you're brand new, as opposed to being grafted into your own. And this is Paul's argument: like, be really, really careful. There's a sense in which there's an honoring that needs to take place, and I think it's the dishonoring um, of that pre-existing um, root structure that I think maybe, you know, I'm increasingly sensitive to, um, and that I think that that offends God as well as you know people that 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 do come from that root structure. Hi, guys. I want to take a quick break and tell you about an opportunity that you
0: guys have as listeners to become subscribers of this podcast. Now, in order to become a sub, all you have to do is follow the subscribe link in the show notes found in the description of each episode. And when you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusive material, including additional interviews, all of my spoken word poetry pieces, all of my dramatized allegorical short stories, and even more of my article readings. Okay, so lots of content will be available to you that won't be available to anyone else. Subscribing to the show only costs five dollars a month which is less than most people spend on their lunch at work every day okay so you won't even notice it disappearing from your bank account if you enjoy listening to the show and you're looking for an opportunity to financially support the content you care about this is your chance okay follow the link in the show notes to become a sub thank you so much for choosing this show to listen to
1: and now without further ado let's get back to the episode and so uh, but but to do that in a way that doesn't dishonor you know what 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 the Gentiles are trying to, trying to do and follow Jesus, you know? So I, I don't know if that's stirring up for anything. Any last comments you guys want to make as we're kind of just processing, this is really helpful to kind of think through.
3: Yeah. Right yeah I think, I think, I think Dr. Putnam, Sorry. his example there of uh, being grafted on to an old root. I think that was really good because what's the alternative Are we grafted on what's our foundation that we're building this house called Christianity on? Is it on, you know, Post modern Christianity is it on modern uh, Christian thought? I definitely think that's wrong. I think it. Ha- I think Judaism was the foundation that Christ then built from, and I think it's important for it to keep stay that way. And as, as such, as a foundation, I think it should have our respect and our honor. Like like uh, Mr. Pryor said, I think that's a an important thing to have for in modern culture is a respect for our foundation as as believers. Yeah, that's good. Good, Ryan. Any last thoughts from you?
4: Yeah, just the word foundation has been thrown around quite a bit, and I think that's a really good concept to have in this conversation. Because, like, if you you could build a house right with a small foundation, and it will stand up probably, right? Um, But the deeper the foundation is, the stronger you know the house is tethered to something. And so, when you talk about modern expressions of faith, I think one of the things that this is coming you know bringing up in me is that there's so many modern expressions of faith in jesus which usually take the form of christianity that are built on a very small foundation that does not include the root structure that you guys are talking about and so it's untethered yes and that means it can get it right but it's easily knocked over yes and so i think we have to you know differentiate between requirement versus wisdom Um, there is no requirement to, you know, to memorize the Torah and do all of the things that a faithful Jew would do, but there's a lot of wisdom to be found in it. Um, and so I think that's just an important piece, kind of maybe a nuance in that. Uh, it's not a new religion, but there's, there's value in the old for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, that's really well said. The wisdom there's, I think Jesus says something like, uh, The teachers, the teachers of the law are like, what does he say? They're like, uh, they're, they're bringing out of their storehouse, both like, uh, old treasures and and new. Yeah. (laughs) It's like this, you know, like, like there's an obsession today of new treasure and there's a real neglect of old. And I, I think you're using the foundation analogy. That's, that's really well said that part of this is just wisdom. We don't want this thing to blow over because we're inventing things left and right. And every generation and every church invents new traditions. And then before you know it, you know, they're just toppling over left and right. There's a we need some we need some depth to what we're doing. Excellent. Mm-hmm. John, any of the last. Yeah,
2: Jim, yeah, well, I had a question for you, actually. You, you get to ask yeah. all the questions. I a, so my question for you is because you actually used an important word about that was honoring, you know, yeah. honoring God's original plan and and his the way he caused us to be developed from the beginning. I think that's actually really good. My question is, um, how do you do that in a way that doesn't eventually? um Descend into legalism. I feel like I've been parts of Christian environments where people, you know, they're they're Christians, and this is not so much. It, it, this is sometimes true of the law, but it's sometimes true of just, you know, ethical principles or drinking beer. You know, it's like, oh, you've got the freedom to drink beer, but the real <laughs> Christians don't drink beer. That's you know? right. And you and you know, don't. oh, you're you're totally free to be a Gentile, but the real Christians celebrate Sukkot. You right. know, mm. and, and this, you know, what yeah. I'm saying, and so. And part of me just is like, I never, I don't own a gun, but part of me like feels like going, where's my gun? Because I'm going to shoot that person <laughs> because I, I can't, I instinctively rebel again. And somebody starts saying you really should. Um, and I'm a bad part of that's just my, uh, rebellious nature. But my, so my question to you is how do you tell me more about the, about inculcating the love of God and the, the respect for his plan in a way that is not legalistic, please.
1: Yeah, it's very difficult because you, you made the point that our hearts are religious. And so even if one person were to keep the Sabbath or Sukkot or purely, you know, honoring reasons, the person, the next person is going to do it for religious. You know, it's like, it's like, that's, we have to, first of all, just, just admit that that's, that's an incurable trajectory that we have to constantly confront all the time. And so like, I, I don't think I almost never talk about the Sabbath without trying to quote from Colossians two, where, where, you know, Paul says so overtly, like, you know, these things are a shadow, let no one judge you with regards to a new moon festival or a Sabbath or a holy day. Like that's such a, like to me, him, him saying that is such a radical, um, you know, challenge to legalism to say, to say, let no one judge. It's exactly what you just said. Like, I want to grab a gun. It's like, don't let those, that, don't let that guy do that. Like, stop him. Like, you know, like, right. Christians should stop people who are judging them be, for not keeping. This is what Paul says stop people who judge you for not keeping the Sabbath. Stop people who are judging you for not keeping a festival. Um, how else are you going to stop this, this religious, um, you know, sort of instinct that we have towards legalism? So, yeah, I so that, I I completely think that I don't, I don't think there's any solution to what you're describing other than to say that we have to highly sensitize each other to that problem. And so when you're when you're when you're the other way that I think about it is traditions are all you know there's commands and traditions, and traditions are always in that wisdom category that Ryan was describing. And wisdom looks different depending on your family, your family of origin, where you live. You know, do you keep Sabbath on a Sunday or a Saturday? I keep it on a Saturday. Um, do I, why do I keep it on a Saturday? Primarily, um, I enjoy that tradition because I think in our context as a family, it's more wise to do it on that day. But I look at other families, I'm like, it's wise for them to keep it on Sunday. It's wise for them to keep it on Monday. It's wise for them to ignore that command for now for all kinds of reasons. I, I believe all of that is possible. And, and, and I, who am I to say? like it's, These are traditions. And so it's a wisdom question. And wisdom questions, um, they depend on circumstances and they're not moral and i think that 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 what really incites the legalistic spirit is the desire to make everything a moral issue and that's why i love what ryan said it's not a, like honoring itself is really not a moral issue until it gets until it gets into the realm of of direct dishonoring like there there's a huge amount of spectrum of how to honor people you know, so you might honor them by, you know, contributing money to this thing or by saying something nice or making a compliment. But as soon as you make it moral, you're like, here are the five things you have to do to honor me. And if you don't do all five in this order, then you're morally a bad person. Um, and I think that, that we have to stop that kind of judgment. And especially on this side of the cross, Paul's whole point was these are shadows of things to come. The fullness is Christ. In other words, because we're in the gospel, um, all of these these traditions themselves were point, pointers and so pointers are really, really fun to enjoy, especially for the reasons Ryan described, as far as like, I wanna be rooted in something that doesn't topple over every generation because um, I'm about to have a grandchild and I want them to experience like the richness of of the of our, the history of our family and our faith, you know? Um, but I think that, that that's the desire that I'm, I, but I, I wanna just, you know, really highlight John, I think you're hundred percent right. Like this is like, but I also wanna put push some pressure on the other side and say, to be so afraid of legalism that you don't initiate traditions is, is uh, problematic for other reasons, and so we have to initiate traditions. But we need to admit constantly that these are these are circumstantial, these are wisdom issues, and we're not talking about morality. So, um, <clears throat> anybody want to say something to sort of sum this up before we uh, we transition? The, the, do we uh, do we put a bow on that sucker?
3: I Think so? You a really think so? nice
1: one. <laughs> okay. Well, this is really helpful, guys. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure people listening to this have a lot of things that we didn't cover. But, um, but I, I really appreciate you guys coming on this today. I love getting just to process these things in this way. Um, it's so beneficial for me, and um, I appreciate uh, you guys being willing to come on here. So, thanks so much for for doing this with me.